Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Today we're starting a series on mom and dad. And before you check out, I believe this series is for all of us. And when you begin to think about the church, not just our church, but the global church, one thing that the church is, is a teaching institution. And so that's why when we come on Sundays, whether you're online or here, we ask you to bring your Bibles. Because we want to be people that are well taught of the Lord and we will have great peace no matter the situations of our life. I would say another thing, the church is a gathering place. And that's why we gather together and we worship together online here. It is a gathering. Another thing that the church is, it's a place where the sacraments should be celebrated. And we did that today, participating in the Lord's table and with baptism. Coming up in the next three weeks, I have the honor and the privilege of officiating four weddings of people people in our church. That is a powerful sacrament and witness that Jesus Christ is alive. I believe a church more than anything becomes, and I would say this, takes the agency of being a parent, uh, becomes a mom and dad. And one of my favorite scriptures is that he will take the isolated and set them into families, and he will make queens mothers and kings fathers. So I want to say today, I believe this series is going to change your life and my life. Maybe you were parented well. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you're, you've never parented. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're older. This is for all of us. And I really believe our lives are going to change. And I, I am convinced that we could change Ventura, California, our nation, and the world if we begin to change the family. And we have the power with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to begin to be moms and dads and transform our children and our nation. Can you say amen? And so if before we get to the scripture, today I want you to do this. I want you to write out, or maybe you could chat. I want you to put these two words down. I want you to put the word king and priest. King and priest. I want you to write that down, and I want you to put king and priest. And another way to say that uh, a priest is someone who properly responds to God, so respond. And then I want you to put responsibility. A king should take responsibility. So I want you to get those words from the get-go in your mind, in your heart, that in raising children, that we first, we want to raise them as priests. Kids or young people or living adults that properly respond to God, but also kings that they take responsibility for being alive on this earth. And another thing in this series, it is for anyone a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, a brother, a sister, a team member, a group member. It is for all of us. Can you say amen? And I don't know about you, but watching the last two years unfold, 
with the global pandemic and violence now back in Afghanistan, even remembering yesterday, 20 years from uh, September 11th, it seems like the world is becoming more and more volatile. And I began to really reflect as I read through this book and began to prepare for this series. I thought with my grandchildren, I wonder what type of world will they live in and have we or will we properly raise them, equip them, train them to live in such a world. And I thought, how could they live in such a world? They would have to be priests and they would have to be kings unto our God. Amen. And I want to say this, why is being a mom and a dad so important? If you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter one. So that's really easy to find. Now, if you're doing a smart Bible on your smartphone, go to Genesis chapter one. And I want to begin to read these verses. And again, I want to answer the question, why is being a mom and dad so important? And the reason is, is children, our children are immigrants bearers. They bear the image of God, and that means they can create, that means they can cultivate, that means they can care for people that are in this world. And I want to begin to read, this is Genesis 1, 26 to 28, it's God speaking, and he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over all the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the likeness, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. Say that with me. And God, say it again. Can I just stop right now? We never put children down. We always bless our children. Can you say amen? God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Now, I want to say this. I believe in this series, the mom and dad series. I wrote this down. We are called to parent intentionally. We are called to parent intentionally. And this is rooted very deeply in the scriptures. God just does not want us to leave parenting to chance or love. We, with intentionality, must parent our children. And I want to go to this scripture, Genesis 18, 19. And why would God choose Abraham? He is the father of faith. And it says in Genesis 18, 19, and I love this, it says this, for I have known him, God knew Abraham, that means by seeing, he knew him, it says, in order that he may command his children and his household after him. Why? That they may keep the way of the Lord. I want to say that again, that they may keep the way of the Lord. And what is the way of the Lord? That they would be priests, that means properly respond to God, but they would also be kings, that they would have a sense of responsibility. That they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Now go to the New Testament. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 and go to the very last verse in Luke chapter 2. 
is verse 52. And again, we're talking about moms and dads. And today I'm dealing with kings and priests, or another way to say it, properly responding to God and having responsibility. And I love this scripture, one of my favorite scriptures of Jesus. And this is the last word spoken of him before he appears in his public ministry. And it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So that word increase literally means to progress. It means to grow. It means to advance. So Jesus Christ increased. He advanced. He had a progression in favor. Get this, not only wisdom, not only only stature. How many of you, when your kids, we had boys, but you had a little growth chart near the pantry and you would mark. So Jesus properly grew physically, but he also grew in wisdom. Now get this, in favor, that means graciousness with God and with people. So what is that? How do you grow in favor with God? You respond to God properly. That's a priest, but you also have responsibility. That's how we grow in favor with people. Now, now, I want to give you this thesis statement. Parenting with a plan. I want you to put this down. I'm going to give you four words. We are going to teach you in this series. And again, whether you could be a teenager, you could be young, this is for everyone. You say, well, I wasn't parenting that well. Well, guess what? God is your father, and you could learn to parent yourself. And you know how you do that? Number one, with a plan. I want you to write that down. Maybe you could text that. Number two, next week, we're going to talk about a pattern. There's, there is a scriptural pattern in raising sons and daughters. Number two, a progression. And we see even this, Jesus Christ grew. He had a progression, not only in height physically, but wisdom, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. So we have a plan. We have a pattern. We have a progression. Then we will end with a perception. You know, that is going to be very, very powerful. And I could say way before I became a dad, I had a perception that happened. You'll hear this in the last message. When I was 16 years old, as I stood at my father's grave site, all of a sudden I realized that life ends and that when I would become a parent, that I wanted to parent with the end in mind. I wanted to see the type of young men or young women that I would help develop. And so I knew I needed a plan. I knew that I needed a pattern. I knew that I wanted progression and I wanted a perception of what God would say is good. Can you say amen? Now, this is what I want to deal with today. I want to deal with the parents. I want to deal with the plan. Then I want to deal with response to God and responsibility for our life. So today we're going to talk about parents. We're going to talk about the plan. We're going to talk about response to God and responsibility. Now, uh, what's interesting, uh, I was a youth pastor for almost a quarter of a century. And so I saw many different types of parents. And I would say Vlad and Victoria, probably uh, Juan and Liz, 
our children's pastor, or Katie, or anyone who teaches in our school, when you're dealing with children or youth, you're going to have a great opportunity to begin to see a different, a, a really a variety of types of parents. And let me just tell you what I began to witness. Number one, I saw some parents, and whether they were single moms or single dads, if it was a blended family, or maybe a grandparent was raising them, maybe uh, uncle or aunt was raising them. Get this. Number one, I saw responsible parents versus irresponsible parents. I also saw prepared parents and those who were not prepared. Another one, and please get this, I saw some parents that were consistent and some who were not consistent. Can I say right now, one of the greatest ways to parent well as a mom and dad is to be consistent, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you with me on that one? Another one, we, I saw this, parents that were involved and parents that weren't involved and parents that had intention to raise their children. But write this down. Some of them had no intention. They left it to chance. Now, I want you to begin to think about this. Very few things in life happen by luck. I, I don't know. Maybe you'll win the Powerball and you will be lucky. However, very few things happen by accident accident. We have to plan for them. Now, I want you to write this down, the plan, all right? And one of the great, and I believe this, one of the greatest enemies of the next generation is parenting without a plan or without intention. And again, we plan for everything. We plan to go to college, some of us. We plan for a trade. Uh, If you are into a sport, you plan how to excel at that sport. Uh, We plan how to get out of debt. We plan how to find a mate. We plan so many things, but when it comes to parenting, many times we do not have a plan. Now, I want you to really begin to sense this. You see, we know this scripture in Proverbs, many are the plans of a person's heart, but the Lord will direct their steps. Can I say again, I know so many people that have plans for business, plans for college, plans to pay off debt, plans for retirement. However, when it came to raising children, oftentimes we do not have a plan. And can I say it says many are the plans, let's say of a parent's heart, but the Lord will direct their steps. And I would say, is your plan and is my plan? Is it the plan of the Lord for parenting? And I believe God's plan for parenting includes these two thoughts, a priest and a king and a king and a priest that I raised children. And one of the reasons in this church we're so in to city kids, city youth, collective, California Coast Bible College, city Christian school. Why? Because we are an agency that wants to come alongside and the plan is we want to make priests and we want to make kings. We want to make children that respond to God and children that are responsible and successful in the life that God has given them. Now, for me, I want to tell you my first experience in, whew, man, it makes me cry. I cannot even believe Judas 32. My first experience when we saw the heartbeat in an ultrasound over 32 years ago. First of all, my breath was taken away and I saw that light. And, and this is, two things happened. Number one, a responsibility came on me. I wanna say it this way, a weight. Because I understood in that moment, please hear me. 
The reason we need a parent intentionally, moms and dads, and have a plan, I knew that I was raising, shaping, informing an internal being. And that my actions and the way I would raise them would determine whether they would have an eternal destiny with God or without God. So when I heard, saw and heard that heartbeat. I stopped and I literally said, God, you have to help me because I don't want to form or shape them into a human being that does not respond to you and they may become successful. What would it be if they gained everything in the world, but they did not properly respond to you? Then the next thing that I felt, that was the first thing that's like, wow, that, that is a responsibility. But the second thing that I felt is I felt inadequate. I felt ill-prepared. And, and I believe many times when we come into this thing called moms and dads, we, we may not be prepared. My father, as I just said, passed away when I was 16. But in that moment, I began to devour books on being a dad. And I want you to know, I began to seek God in the scripture. What was the plan of God for raising a son or a daughter? Because we didn't know at that time. I wanted a girl. All I ever wanted, I didn't want three stinky boys. I wanted one beautiful girl. But I, I got three boys. And, and so I began to seek God. What is the plan for it? And I believe this, and I want you to go to Revelation. It's the very, very last book in the Bible. I believe that uh, the plan of God for us in raising children is to raise priests. And simply put, they, a priest is someone who properly responds to God and kings, and a king is responsible. So go to the very, very first chapter in the last book of the Bible. It's Revelation chapter 1. And, and I really believe it's your job and my job to infuse our children. Have you ever had a LaCroix? And you get one that could be grapefruit, one that could be lime, one that can be lemon. Well, it's just pretty much uh, bubbly water, but it's infused with lime or lemon or grapefruit or Becky likes raspberry. Can I say it is our job? Please hear me. This isn't just for parents, for all of us in City Church, California, to infuse our young people and our children with the sense of being a king and a priest. Let's read this. This is Revelation, it's chapter 1, and it's verse 6, and it says, and has made. I want you to just underline that. That literally means when you're talking to me, that you bind it together. You, you're making it, and you're binding this on their mind, on their hearts, the idea that they are a priest and they are a king. Now get this. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to say this with me. Say made as kings and priests. And if you're chatting, I'd like you to begin to chat that a king and a priest. Now, I want you to just think about this. When you think about a priest, I don't want you to think about someone who works full time for a church. Simply a priest, and I wrote this down for us, and I want you to get this. A priest is an individual that is consecrated. That means set apart for the service of God. I don't know about you. When Jude was born, uh, he came out. He had the worst cone head of any child that 
that the doctor had ever seen, truly. And, and so Becky, she uttered uh, the last, uh, her last seven, those seven words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished, you know. And then when she saw Jude, she said, that's not my head and that's not my nose, you know. And so but what we did immediately, get this, what we did immediately after they washed him, they weighed him, they checked his, all his uh, vital signs and they gave him that score and he did pretty well. I remember just holding him and just staring at him and I brought him up to my chest. Now listen to me. When you begin to think, when you begin to think about raising a child, it's rooted in a Roman custom. And when a son or a daughter was born in ancient Rome, the dad would come in and if he wanted the child or welcomed the child, he would take up the child and he would lift the child up to the sky, raising a child. Kind of like, remember Lion King, Mufasa, you know, in Rafiki, the priest monkey goes and he lifts up Simba. And when Rafiki, the priest, lifts up Simba with their saying, we receive you into our home and all our resources and all our love and all our time and energy are going to go to lifting you up. And that's why the priest would even do that. Now, if the father did not want the son or daughter, he would leave place the child on the ground and the child would be, be exposed. Can I say right now in our church, we with intentionality, we lift children up, we lift youth up, we lift young adults up. Why? Because we want to bless them and raise them as priests and kings to our God. Yeah. Former President Obama said this, he said, any fool can father a child, but it takes courage to raise a child. And can I say right now, we are going to enter in as a church the courage to raise children. Now, I want you to go to this scripture with me. It's in Genesis. And this is the first mention in the idea of king and priest in the Bible. And so again, a priest is consecrated to the service of God. How? Through worship, prayer, sacrifice, serving, and blessing, all right? Look at this. This is Genesis chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 18. It says, then Melchizedek, and this is a form of Christ. It says, Melchizedek, get this, the king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. So here we see together was a priest and a king and a king and a priest of God most high. And please get this. A priest is someone who properly responds to God, but a king takes responsibility for his life. Now, I'm just going to tell you this. We're going to go to this two sections. This is where we'll spend our ending time. I nailed one of them and I failed at one of them. Can I just say, I nailed one, but I failed at another, all right? I want to begin to talk today how to raise a priest or how to infuse your son and daughter or young people or children as a priest. And I want you to simply write this down. This is a section, how to properly respond to God, not respond or react to God, but how do we respond to God? And I want to begin to tell you some of the things I did practically, and I did well. I nailed this part from the 
very beginning, even before Judah, John, or Jake were born, you're going to think I was crazy. I was very involved. So much so when we signed up for birthing class, back then it was called Lamaze, uh, I read the whole book. I'm sure I am convinced I'm the only guy in my time frame of having kids that actually read and highlighted a, a birthing class book. I became the teacher's pet. Then I remember we went, and this is before Amazon, we would go to a Barnes and Noble and I would get one name book. I got three names because I knew that was going to be one of the first responsibilities that I would do back in I as a parent. And so names that I liked, she hated because the boy was weird in third grade or he was ugly in 10th grade. And, and so we could not agree on a name, but we both thought Jude was cool. She thought he was good looking in first grade and at that moment. And so, but I thought, I don't want to name him after me. I want to know the meaning of my name. So we looked in the baby book and the name Jude comes from the Hebrew name Judah and it means praise. And then I looked up my middle name, Lewis, and it means warrior. And I could honestly tell you one of the greatest things that we infuse our children. What if your sons or your daughters are successful, they're athletes, they're A students, but they don't worship. They don't have a spirit of worship about them. You can ask Becky, even when Jude was maybe eight months old, nine, before he even uh, months, he would sit at the table. We would always have worship music on and he would do this. And this kid was tough from the beginning. He would end up being the captain of the wrestling team. He became his name. He's a praise worshiper. And even today, he's constantly got worship and song and music. And it begins with intentionality that we're raising kings and priests. Are you with me? Now, I, I want to say this. These are some practical ways. You may want to write this down. Number one, I began to read and live the scriptures with them and before them. I began to read scriptures to them. Now, let me tell you, you could ask Becky, this makes me cry. I kid you not. When she was pregnant with Jude, I had about 25 scriptures. This didn't happen when he was born. It happened when he was in the womb. And it was scriptures like this. The God who gave conception will give delivery. I would read Psalms 139. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. In the secret parts, I constructed you and I shaped you. I would begin to say, literally, God will strengthen her womb. We would talk to him. So much so, when each of my boys were born, they heard this loud mouth quoting scripture that when they came into the world, took their first few breaths, and they heard my voice. They literally looked. Now, whether they could see my face or get focused or not, but they were there, and it continued till throughout their life. I remember Jew was about six weeks old, and he gave me one of those cockeyed smiles. Some say it could have been baby gas. I don't know, but it was at that point when his eyes, even though he probably didn't see me, but I saw him connected, and that boy and my soul and his soul connected and I literally remember, I remember literally bringing his forehead to my forehead and I began to bless him. You see, I did not want my children to live a life with a foundation from a curse and attack. I wanted them to have a strong foundation of blessing that would follow them through their, their life, no matter what would happen in their life, that they would have a strong sense of being blessed by God and their parents. Now, I want you to write this down. The first God experience our children have, believe it or not, I don't, it's not in the church. 
It's not in the church. Let's say it another way. The first seminary experience, the first church experience, and yes, the first God experience does not happen when we bring him to church. And what do we do? And we hold him up and dedicate. It happens in the home. And it happens with the mom and the dad. And that's why we're calling this series Moms and Dads. And it does not matter because some people think that it's the church's only responsibility. It is a major responsibility, but it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's our responsibility to make them, raise them as priests. And I did that by daily, not only talking about the scripture, but literally living the scripture. Now, let me tell you, one time, because we tried everything trying to get the boys to do their chores and I'm going to talk about that in the king part in a moment but I heard a long time ago John Maxwell said this he said his dad never paid him to cut the grass or take out the trash or help uh, wash or clean the dishes because he said dad said John you will do that for the rest of your life he said but if you read a book I will pay you to read a book and so John Maxwell because he wanted the money began to read a book every week and still is one of the world's greatest communicators and teachers. So what I began to do once the boys could read, I would pay them to memorize scripture because I realized that I was raising a priest, not just a king. And so Jude said, dad, I want a snowboard. And I said, how much is it? He says about $400. Immediately Becky said, we don't have that kind of money. I said, yes, we do. We have that kind of money. We don't have to pay the mortgage, but we will. And I said, Jude, I said, Why don't you, if you memorize 2 Timothy chapter 1, I will give you $100. So him and I memorized it together. I kid you not, when he finished it, one day I was at church, I was a youth pastor. And again, we weren't making a big salary. We really couldn't afford, with Becky was saying, the $400 uh, snowboard. Someone came and shook my hand, and I kid you not, it was one of those hallelujah handshakes. And they had a hundred dollar bill. And I said, Jude, this is your first hundred. And he said, Dad, I'm doing the second chapter and I could do it in a week. I kid you not, after he did the second chapter, got another hallelujah handshake from a different person. Then the third chapter and the fourth chapter, can I tell you, I had a sense that I was infusing him with the idea, and when we hear priests, how to properly respond to God. In Hebrews 11 says, anyone who comes to God as a priest, you must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So how do we live as a priest? We have to properly respond to God and we cannot do that without faith all right the next one let's do this I would read classic books to them I would read the Chronicles of Narnia I would also read children's book E.B. White uh, James and the Giant Peach we do that but I'm on purpose read I thought I'm raising theologians and I had that sense I want them to think big about God can I tell you doctrine is very important and we leave eh, we do a lot of things for our kids but you know, the one thing sometimes we don't do is instilling, instilling in them doctrine, which is right thought about God. A.W. Tozer said, any person, any nation, any world uh, leader, if their opinion and ideas of God are small and wrong, then their life will be filled with darkness. Can I say it is important that we get that God is big, God is powerful, God is good, God is with us. Come on. Yeah. 
and that is raising a priest. Another one, praying with them daily. And, and even when we were in Hawaii, uh, Rio came. He's only three. And uh, he came to me and said, come here, come here, I'm, I'm going to bless you. And he kind of looked and said, give me your forehead. Rio, give me your, I, I was imagining I'm Rafiki. He is Simba. And so literally I put my forehead on his forehead and I want you to go, this is one of my favorite scriptures about raising a priest. Go to Numbers chapter six. And I'm going to tell you what I pray. You should do this. If you have a, a, a niece, a nephew, I, I, I literally, I grabbed him by the head. I put my forehead on his forehead. And this is what I did. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, who is a high priest, the first high priest of the Old Testament. And his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. I promise you, I had Rio, I did it to Jack, I did it to Lucy, even little Quincy. Quincy, I did it so much on the vacation. Last week, Nancy and them were watching our live stream. I came up to lead before Katie crushed an amazing message on the Holy Spirit. I'm leading in generosity. And so he starts going, hood, hood. He was trying to say Jude, and he's putting his hand on the plasma. Why? Because I would put my forehead on his forehead. And listen, this is what I would say. I want you to get it. He said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Come on, right now. I want to... Is there ever a time in our nation that children need peace? It's right now. Can I have a witness on that? Then it says, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. And so really, I believe this, that the first role is to create and infuse in our children a sense of priesthood, but meaning they'll properly respond to God. Let me just tell you some other things. Number one, they saw Beck and I sacrificing for God, church, and other people, and they became, and sacrificing for them. There's an old school mindset, and I'm going to invite the band, that I believe is a great deception. Here, this old school Christian mindset. God first. Well, that's, that's right. God is first. But then they would say God first, then church, then ministry, then your family. That's not true. And I realize that if I didn't keep my word with my sons, they would have an idea that God the Father would not keep his word. So my word to them and my time with them was very, very important. Let's go through another one. Tithing. They saw us tithing. Building a foundation of blessing that they could build the rest of their lives on. Serving in church together. We would do it together. Uh, today I drove in and Jimmy Lee is out there. I don't know how old his boy is. Is he five? A five-year-old little boy has a sign that says, welcome and he's waving or Jimmy has a sign he's with his dad that is brilliant you know what Jimmy's doing if you're a priest then priests serve priests love priests worship priests give and we want our children properly responding to God even when I would come to church with the boys and I even did this with Jack at city kids camp and Jack will raise his hand if he's watching a YouTube uh, video that he likes and I said uh, Jack lift your hands he goes 
I don't feel like it. I said, Jack, worship isn't a feeling. It's an act of honoring God. And I said, you lifted your hands the other day when we were watching the YouTube video, begin to lift your hands. And I said, let's worship together. And he began to lift his hands. And I said, let's sing together. And he began to sing. And so we want to infuse them as priests. Now, let me tell you another thing we did. We uh, not only would go and work at City Kids Camp and then Youth Camp, but we would go on missions trips with them. And the reason why we, and look, we didn't have a big budget. The reason why we did that is because we wanted to infuse them. If you are a priest, you properly respond to God, then you're going to have the heart for the whole world. And I can say my boys have a global vision. This part I nailed. Now I want to go, and this is where I'm going to end. I failed at the other one. I raised good priests. But I didn't raise good kings. A priest is someone who responds to God. A king is someone who takes responsibility. And, and I want to do this. I, 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 God does not just want us to raise priests. He wants us to raise kings and priests. Now, what is a king? Well, a king has a kingdom. And kingdom, literally, you could break it up. It means the king's domain. It is his dominion where he rules. A way to say it, a king has to take responsibility where when he takes or she takes responsibility, it brings glory to God and it benefits other people. It brings glory to God and it benefits other people. If you would say, Pastor Jude, why did you not do so well in raising a king? I would say, number one, a kingdom has borders. Becky and I were so busy at times being priest in the ministry and not only in the ministry allowing the boys to be involved with so many sports that when we would get home and they had we were a family together and they had responsibilities in the house that we did not really help raise them as a king and let me just say this I'm going to go through quickly a list of practical things to raise a king you will see why I think that I failed Jude stayed in our home he got married to Sierra they would go on their honeymoon and he would come back and the first time he ever lived out of our house he's moved into an apartment with Sierra and literally I did not teach him the things that I should have taught him and so I want to go through this this was where I made mistakes number one not doing everything for them we can't always bail them out have you ever done this? It's Wednesday, it's Tuesday, it's Thursday. It's about 9 at night, 8.45 at night. You're exhausted. You've just, your wife or whoever cooked, you're trying to help clean up. And you said, hey, how's your homework? And they said, oh, Dad, I forgot. I have a project. I need to uh, build a volcano by tomorrow. <laughs> and then you're running to Michael's. They fall asleep. And Becky and I, that's a lie, Becky was building... <laughs> The volcano. But now listen, you see, it was, my, it was my pride. I should have said, you know, you should have told us that yesterday or at two. So you're going to have to get a late grade. But I didn't, that, I didn't want my child getting a late grade. But you see, I robbed them of an experience of a timeline. Let's put this one down. Allowing them to feel the results of decisions, both good and bad. Hey, that was your choice. 
Now, remember, for you to go on that snowboarding uh, with your friends on Saturday, you have to make certain grades. But I would cave in. And I didn't want them to feel the pressure of a bad decision. All right, write this next one down. Sons and daughters need to have the opportunity to rule over something. Okay, to experience the rewards and the repercussions of ruling. Kings rule. If you cannot rule over your bedroom, you will not rule over your business. And if you cannot rule over your business, you may not be able to rule over your family. I believe one of the greatest things that happened to Jude, John, and Jake is when they moved out of the house, they got a new baptism on responsibility and they said dad you should have allowed us to literally fail or feel the repercussions of not keeping response uh, being responsible can i say i was good at raising a priest not good at raising a king and a king is a man or a woman who is responsible amen now, let's just see this, and I'm going to give you a few more. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God. That's priests. That's response. But with men. Can I say this? When, it says, the king of Salem, Salem, king of righteousness, king of peace, Melchizedek, when we properly respond to God, we get a supernatural righteousness in our life. But when we keep responsibility, we get peace with man. Can I say right now, when we're not responsible, we cannot have peace. So let me read these next one. How about this one? Doing homework. How many of you ever done homework for your kids because it's just easier? I'm, I told you I failed at this one. Don't judge me, all right? I mean, it was easier just to do the math problem than show them how to do the math problem. Now, okay, why was that? because I was a king and I was responsible at my job, my ministry, but we had so many things going on that I was so fatigued. And at that moment, instead of patiently letting them work out and just sit there, I turned from Jesus to Satan in three minutes. And that's the truth. If I had that to do over again, I would say, no, you're not gonna be on 11 different sports, pick one. And that's what you need to do because I'm going to be too worn out and I cannot just raise a priest. I want to raise a king. Now, let me tell you, by the goodness of God, they're doing pretty good at kingship right now. But it's, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Becky had more to do with it. How about this one? Cleaning their room. Cleaning their room. Sierra came over. This is years ago. I promise you I'm ending uh, a bunch of the Bible college students were over. She was there the first year. And I was asking some of the young ladies because I knew one of them may be my Jude's wife. And so I would ask them, hey, what's your vision? One said, I want to be a missionary. I'm going to be a pastor's wife. And I thought, maybe this is Jude's wife. Maybe this is Jude's wife. And uh, I knew that Jude was liking and attracted to Sierra. So on purpose, and a bunch of the gals were helping clean after Becky had cooked dinner. And I said, Sierra, I said, what, what's your vision? What's your vision for your life? She goes, well, you know, I really want to just stay home and be a great wife and a good mom. And she goes, my favorite thing to do is to clean house. <laughs> I literally started laughing. I thought, you are going to get to do your favorite thing 
a lot. Because my son is 100% the messiest human being that ever roamed this planet. He has a mountain of dirty clothes. Becky would wash the clothes, fold the clothes, put it on the dresser drawer in the bed. And in 30 minutes, the clean clothes were with the dirty clothes, and he's doing like this. And I thought, oh my goodness. And, and the Lord brought him together. You know, has he changed? I don't know. You know, she holds him in line a lot better than I did, but he comes and visits. I always know when he comes, the left shoe goes to the right, the right shoe goes to the left, and there's sand all throughout the house. Anyway, everyone say raising a king. I do think we need to teach him to save money, not just give money, playing on a sports team. Responsible leadership brings peace to a home and proper response to God literally produces righteousness. Now, will you stand with me? I want to say this. One of my favorite statements of Jesus, and Jesus is a king and he is a priest. Hear me though. He wasn't raised in a palace and he wasn't raised in a temple. He was raised by an everyday worker. And they call St. Joseph the patron saint of the family. And so guess what? Joseph had the responsibility to raise God's son as a king and a priest in an everyday way. And that's what we do. Now, I want you to hear me. My favorite phrase of Jesus, he comes out of the waters of baptism and the heavens open and God the Father, God is an intentional parent. He had a plan. He knew his son would be a king and his son would be a priest. And listen to what he said. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then immediately he would go in the wilderness and he would be attacked and tempted by the devil. And what did Satan say? If you are God's son, the world we're living in, I could tell you, and with the devil, his plans have never changed. He will try to attack the identity of our sons and daughters. Mom, dad, that's the series. Mom, dad, that's the series. Mom, dad, the most important thing we do is to instill identity into our children. And we want to instill an identity that is being responding to God and having responsibility. He said, if you are the son of God, can I say the devil left out the most important word? God didn't just say, this is my son. He said, this is my beloved son. I believe more, none of us are going to be perfect. But can I say, if we love our children and we are involved and we take responsibility and we ask God to help us be as consistent as we can and we have the plan of making a priest and a king, I am telling you, we will say, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Can you say yes? So I want you to do this. Will you just maybe, uh, I don't know, do this. Usually I have you do this, but that means like pray. Almighty God, we come and we pray for our sons and our daughters. And God, we want to plan. We don't want to do it by chance. God, we may not always be in the business we're in or the ministry we're in. We not, may not always do this or that, but there's one thing we'll always be. That is mom and dad. Whether that means grandparent, niece, nephew, aunt, uncle, son, daughter. God, we pray as a church, we are 
going to raise kings and priests with our sons and daughters. They respond to God and they take responsibility that the world they live in will become a better place. In the name of Jesus Christ, we believe that. Now, with your heads bowed and just in that praying position, I could say the greatest thing about giving your heart to Jesus Christ is you become a child of God. And where I really met God, I said a prayer in eighth grade, but where I really met him was at the gravesite of my father. And I had an impression in my mind, and it was strong and clear. I heard God say in an intuitive sense, I am your father. And I knew at that moment that he'd be with me, he'd be for me, he would lead me, he would guide me, he would protect me. That's what dads do. And so I yielded my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to count to three. You see, to me, believing in God is the beginning. But once you and I believe, we become something. You are a child of God by creation. But becoming a child of God through redemption and believing in Jesus Christ is eternal and it is life-changing. And when I count to three, you may be the son or the daughter of this person or that person, but when you become a child of God, I am telling you, you will be changed forever. And you will come into a relationship with God that is new, that is vibrant, that is alive. And that is our goal. So when I count to three, you're saying, you know what? I want to become a child of God. I want to yield my entire life. I want to say in my heart that he's number one, he's Lord. When I count to three, I just want you to simply raise your hand and yield to that one. On three, you're going to raise your hand. Two, three, just raise your hand right now. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. Anyone else? Will you pray this after me? Say, Father, I ask you now, cleanse me for all my sin. I haven't properly responded to you. I've doubted you, at times been mad at you, but now I ask you to cleanse me. And now I properly worship you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he was raised from the dead for me and he is the Lord of my life. And now I am a child of God. I believe and I receive and I am eternally a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com and click give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.